Chapter 1 State of the Union The exercise of power is determined by thousands of interactions between the world of the powerful and that of the powerless, all the more so because these worlds are never divided by a sharp line. Everyone has a small part of himself or herself in both. Václav Havel, Disturbing the Peace Don't worry, the boy said, looking up at me as we rode the elevator in the United States Capitol. I've been doing this for a while, and even I get butterflies sometimes. His words startled me out of my controlled breathing. A calming exercise I found helps center me when I feel anxious. From the moment we had exited the White House and boarded the shuttle that whisked us to the Capitol, I felt as if I had stepped onto a steadily building escalator of anxiety, and I didn't know how to get off. It was March 1, 2022, the evening of President Joe Biden's first State of the Union address. Only five days before, Russia had invaded Ukraine. It occurred to me that the speech would draw even more attention than usual, as people wondered whether Biden might declare war on Russia. My heart was racing. I glanced down at the boy, Joshua Davis. He wore a dapper, dark blue suit, sapphire blue tie, his blonde hair parted on the side. The bespectacled 13-year-old emanated the poise of a seasoned ambassador, which, in a way, he was. Diagnosed with diabetes as a baby, by the time Joshua was in kindergarten, he had become something of a national spokesman on behalf of people with the disease. He had most recently been calling on the drug companies to make insulin affordable to all who needed it. Joshua was clearly comfortable at the center of attention, and he was clearly perceptive, as he could see that I was most definitely not at ease. I had entered what became a spotlight just six months earlier, blowing the whistle on Facebook in a very public way, and testifying to Congress and elsewhere about the many routes by which the platform had become a source of misinformation, and a spark plug for political violence. The company knew it was happening, but they prioritized profits over public safety. The irony was not lost on me that I was now being reassured by a junior high school student one-third my age. I had a flash of a thought of how different we were, Joshua had spoken before the Virginia General Assembly at the age of four, urging them to pass a bill making schools safer for kids with type 1 diabetes. When I was four years old, I was building wooden boxes only a mother could love, with real saws and hammers at my Montessori preschool. Up until six months before, when I revealed my identity on 60 Minutes, I had spent my entire life avoiding the spotlight to the point of having eloped to a Zanzibarian beach for my first marriage. 
in the 15-plus years since college. I've had maybe two birthday parties. My mind is wired to think in terms of data and spreadsheets. And according to my rough estimate, Joshua has been in the public eye for 70% of his life, whereas I had only been in the spotlight for less than 1.5% of mine. We were among a handful of people that night who had been invited as guests of the First Lady. Being invited to sit in the First Lady's box meant the President of the United States would cite each of us in his address, humanizing symbols of his agenda. I had been invited because I was the Facebook whistleblower. I had extracted 22,000 pages of documents from inside the social media company where I had worked on the civic misinformation team, and then with counter-espionage. I not only worked to ensure that all of the technical and terrible facts in those documents made it into the public sphere, but by the time of the State of the Union, I had spent months on the road to make sure the public understood what they truly meant. I had made it through my public appearances thus far, including a debut on 60 Minutes and testifying to a string of congressional and parliamentary committees around the world by focusing on the presentation of the substance of the documents. I clung to an anxiety-relieving conceit that I was, as a friend had coached me, just a conduit for the documents. My purpose was to provide clarity and context My physical presence was incidental to that. It wasn't about me. It was about the information the world needed to know. This state of the union, though, felt different. For this appearance, my purpose, more or less, was just to be there, to be looked at. When the President of the United States gave me my cue, I was to stand before the nation before the world, and just be seen. Shorn of my protective mantra, my heart was racing. Thank you. You're so kind. I said to Joshua as we emerged into the marble-lined corridors of the Capitol and headed toward the balcony of the House of Representatives chamber. I had begun this journey the year before, when I submitted what I believed to be documents of immediate and immense public interest to the Securities and Exchange Commission as part of a whistleblower complaint. 